Episode 220, Bonus Edition, Interview with C.J. Reynolds. I'm A.J. Bianco, host of Reflect Ed, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Educators, is your passion tank running on empty? Look no further. Gretchen of Always a Lesson has a double dose of just what you need. Come fill yourself up with an empowering educators podcast to start your day feeling empowered. Welcome to the Always a Lesson Summer Interview Series. I've asked some very special guests to bring their wisdom to you all throughout May, June, July, and August. Connecting you with other elite educators is one of my favorite parts of this job as a teacher leader and podcaster. The insight that you are going to gain from these conversations is going to prepare you to hit the ground running during the back-to-school season But more importantly, it is going to reignite your passion and your potential as an educator. Are you ready to level up what you bring to the table and how you serve those you lead? Then buckle up and let's go. So I want to help you reignite that passion and potential by learning from another elite educator named CJ Reynolds. He's got quite an empowering message. But before we dive into that conversation, I want to share a little bit more about him with you. CJ teaches high school literature and the history of hip-hop in West Philadelphia. Makes me think of the Fresh Prince of (laughs) Bel-Air. He's a graduate of Rowan University and has been a classroom teacher for 15 years. He's also the author of the upcoming book, Teacher Class Off, and the creator of the Real Rap with Reynolds YouTube channel. CJ's YouTube channel and book are aimed at giving viewers an authentic glimpse into the life of a high school teacher in the inner city while at the same time helping new and veteran educators be the teachers and mentors they always wanted to be for their students. His bare-bones teaching philosophy is simple. In the classroom, relationships are king, and the job of a teacher is always and only about the students. Let's dive into our conversation. Well, hey, CJ, thank you so much for being a guest here on the Empowering Educators podcast. Thanks, Gretchen. I appreciate it. So we have folks tuning in all around the world. They're really eager to listen to you, especially because of your high school background. So I'm going to dive right in if you're okay with that. I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So I like to start and set the stage of how our paths crossed. And what's interesting is a member of your team reached out and shared your story. And I thought, holy cow, I have never heard of this type of background and passion from an educator. And so I was so excited to get to know you a little bit more and share your story. And so because of that, I want to give you the platform to just start from square one of your teaching a story and then how that's all developed to what you're doing now, which is amazing and exciting. And it's just an honor to chat with you. Thanks. So I appreciate that. Um, I had zero interest in becoming an educator. And I never even to be an English teacher, I never even read a book until I was 19. Cause I just didn't <laughs> think it was useful. I didn't think it was anything I was going to benefit from. And so, you know, I went to, I, I finished high school and, and I started um, looking into being a drummer and I played on a lot of different albums and I toured and then that 
that life just became something that was very evident to me. That was something I did not want to, to do anymore. And then I thought about being a clown, which I practiced what? for a long time, but <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to travel the world and visit children in like third world countries mm -hmm. and just bring some light to their day. So I did that for a bit and I lived in Zambia and South Africa, uh, South Central Africa. And then from there we went on and I thought I wanted to be a priest. So I spent some time in a monastery and then, you know, someone, someone suggested I'd be a, a teacher and it was like the perfect mesh of all of these mm -hmm. things. And so one of the things I really learned early on was that like becoming a great educator is taking all of the things that make you who you are and yes. using them um, to be a teacher. And, and that turned into teaching for the last 15 years in, in high school. I've taught ninth grade literature and the history of hip hop for the last 15 years. And, and then, um, then all this other great stuff that I've been able to do, like write books and start YouTube channels and, yeah. and all that fun stuff as well. That's awesome. When you started teaching and it's all evolved, like you said, would you say that the course on hip hop was available to you or did you help create that? No, we had to create it from nothing. So it was, um, I had a friend at the time who was teaching a class that I forget what he called it, but it was essentially the history of video games. Oh. And I just thought it was it was so well done. And it was taught in my room. I would sit in the back of the classroom and notice that. And, you know, what, one of the things I I really, really love in education is being inspired by my colleagues. Right. Mm -hmm. I think oftentimes we can just get sort of um, we get jealous or we wish like, oh, man, I wish I'd had that idea or I wish I could do that. So I thought, well, what could I teach that the students would love? And so my guys talk about three main things all day. So I teach all boys school. It's either sports, music, or girls. And I wasn't teaching a class <laughs> girls. I don't know anything about sports. So it was, uh, so I thought, what about hip hop? And so that was something that we had to create from the ground up. Holy cow. And so did students have a lot of ownership and what this course looked like or who did you partner with oh. to design it? Yeah. So look, I mean, I'm, I'm a now 43 year old white guy from, you know, <laughs> Like I grew up with hip hop culture, right? So I grew up listening to hip hop, but I am in no way an aficionado. I am not an expert. I am. Um, so it was for me, it was about finding something. It was what it was about was my students liked something. Mm -hmm. How could I teach through the lens of something they already cared about to teach them things that were already on the curriculum, right? So uh, everything that they could learn in English class or through something like poetry could be taught through hip hop. So what I did was started reaching out to folks and making connections mainly through Instagram because it's sort of this white space that if I could DM someone on Instagram, I had a far greater likelihood that they would get back to me. Because even like really, like even a lot of celebrities will handle their own social media, but they don't handle their own email. They don't answer their right. own calls. So that's like a, a white space for me to get in and then it was finding folks in the community and abroad that could speak to my students that were professionals so having a dj come in have mm -hmm. and having african dancers come in or african drummers having uh hip-hop artists and poets and entrepreneurs and that sort of community coming into my class so i was merely facilitating things while the students were really running with it and you know other community members were coming in to be a part of it as well this is so fascinating. Your class must have been booked with students dying to get in there every semester. It, it was so if you have if you have a DJ in your room, it is not something that people <laughs> don't notice, right? right? So 
Yeah, is that like standing at the door? We'd have to like lock the door because I'd have <laughs> fifty kids in my room yeah. wanting to do a freestyle over the DJ oh, like that. Lord. Well, in terms of you designing this course, like how do you tie this to standards? What are you doing it through English language arts, and then this is the outlet in which you do it? Yeah, yeah. It. I mean, you could very easily take my class and switch it out for a poetry class, okay. right? But it's just that the examples that I'm using right. are through classic hip hop. And I mean, in current hip hop as well, but you know, if you're learning anything from imagery to, to mm-hmm. I don't know, juxtaposition to metaphor, simile, it's all there. And then you're also able to tap into all these other great places like times in history and, and different creative creators and how things have evolved. And even we've been able to tie you know, some of the DJing stuff to STEM. Um, oh. And so it's really looking at what you have to teach and then thinking, what lens could I teach this through? So if someone has a student population that doesn't enjoy hip hop, I mean, they could do any number of things. I've taught classes through through The Walking Dead, through Game of Thrones, through <laughs> uh, Pokemon Go when that was big, through oh, Fort- Fortnite. And it's about finding those things students like and are really interested in and then looking at your standards and thinking, how can how can I make this happen? Right. And when you start looking at things like that, I think the whole world changes and opens up because you start looking at literally everything, everything like yeah. a lesson. Well, it's so innovative and I think it's applicable and their interest there. So their motivation is there. So I bet they show up to class and they're ready to contribute and participate and take something away. So this is so impactful. Yeah, I think it makes it exciting. It makes it makes it exciting for you too, right? Um, and you know, I think the the biggest thing you have to get over if you do something like this is remembering that you're not trying to be cool, right? So, like, I haven't been cool since 1995, <laughs> and, uh, and so it's interesting to go into something like that and uh, and think, no, but this is for the kids. Right. And if we can make it about the kids, it gives you mm-hmm. courage. One and two, you're trying to be relevant, not cool. And if you have keep those two things in mind, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, or where you where you teach, you find a lot of courage in just framing it that way. Mm, That's a great perspective. I wanted to ask you about the best lesson you learned in this role, but it sounds like your experience has really allowed you to become a great teacher just from your own diverse background. But if someone doesn't have all these professions on their side or maybe just life experience, maybe they're fresh out of college, what would you say could be helpful to them that they could still have an impact? Would it be that relevancy piece? I think so. And I think that comes from building relationships with with students. It's like, it's authenticity. It is just keeping your eyes open and seeing what are kids talking about? What are they thinking about? Um, And then asking them questions about that. You know, I, I often think back to when I was a kid and, you know, at Thanksgiving, we'd have the kid table, right? And Mm -hmm. it's all the kids, table the adults are in the other room at the adult table but there was always one older aunt uncle or cousin that would come in and sit with us for mm-hmm. a little bit there was there was always that one adult that, that would come and play basketball with us or see what video game we were playing and actually ask questions because they were interested and i think when when you're young you you, you just we forget as educators sometimes that like kids do want to connect but they want to do it on their terms. They don't mm-hmm. just want to hear about what you're watching, thinking or doing, mm-hmm. but just showing an active interest in, hey, can you talk to me about like, what is this hoodie that you have on? Or what is that logo on your backpack? Or mm-hmm. what, what are you listening to right now on your headphones? And in a really authentic way. And then when you start collecting this 
you know, massive amount of data from students. It's like, all right, I'm seeing that everybody is playing, you know, whatever video game, or they're really into this YouTuber. How can I see some of that content and figure out a way to tie this into my lesson? Yes. And then your students have no idea every day what you're going to do because all of a sudden your vocab review is based on, you know, the mm-hmm. top 12 memes at the time mm-hmm. or, or a TikTok video. Mm-hmm. And I think that any teacher can go into any school at any, you know, experience level and do that and really find some success because of it. Yeah. And I'm sure that there's lots of different teacher talent within your building. I mean, different styles and such. So if you were to say, okay, that's one piece of what makes an educator great, what other characteristics would you say are necessary if you're thinking about your colleagues who might not have your same approach? You know, they could still be a great educator. And and what are the things we look for to identify them as such? I think one is, is dialing in on your strengths, right? There's, there's, some value, right? So looking at like what we're not good at and trying to be better at it. But I think too often we we discount the things that we're actually good at. Like like for me, students is something that I'm really good at. Uh, using my sense of humor is something that I am particularly good at. But when I started teaching, they told me don't smile till November. Mm-hmm. So it was like I was afraid to be silly, to be goofy, because I thought, oh gosh, what if everyone starts laughing? What if it gets out of control? <laughs> you know, they want to come to the door. The admin wants to come to the door. The room and just see that everyone's quiet and doing work. Yeah. And I realized that a quiet classroom doesn't equal an effective classroom. Yes. So sometimes being loud and having kids doing stuff, it's more like you wouldn't go to a construction site and think you guys are just being, well, all right. So if it's next, <laughs> if it's next to your house, you might be being loud, right. but ultimately <laughs> you want to hear that. You want to see that commotion. And so it was figuring that out that, okay, this is, these are my strengths and I should triple down on those. And, and I think that's one thing. And then the other thing is don't wait, don't wait for tenure. Don't wait for your, for your first performance review to come out. Don't wait for anything. It is be the teacher you always wanted to be immediately hmm. because you know, there's no other time in your life that you would do that. If you dated someone new and you waited, oh, I'm going to wait three years in a day until I really am in this relationship, then I can tell them who I am. <laughs> that relationship would be <laughs> yeah. the worst, most thing ever so it's get excited about it like use your passion and don't listen to folks that say things like oh this is just you feeling excited now but wait until you know you're this many years in wait until christmas wait until february when it's like the middle of the year you know the dark days of the middle of the year don't wait for any of that stuff be get excited about it now and go full tilt now and i think just those two things will really set someone off on the right foot and help them to enjoy their job and help kids enjoy coming to their class. So good. I want to hone in on a specific type of teacher. So we've got a bunch of folks listening. Some are new. Some are transitioning into a different role in their building or in distress. Maybe they're losing their job. And we've got teacher leaders. So if you were to pick one of those to speak to specifically and give a piece of advice, who would you talk to and what would you say? So you mean folks transitioning into like leadership roles and out of traditional classroom spaces? Mm-hmm. Yeah, some could be doing that or maybe they're, you know, having to leave their job altogether. And it, it's really just, it's really un, unfortunate right now because this is happening to a lot of educators where like, you know, schools are closing because we've right. been doing distance learning where folks just can't hold on to that. Uh-huh. But even folks that are transitioning into leadership roles, I think it's always just, I think if we make education always only ever about the students, um, there's something there that we don't get caught up in policy. So if I'm thinking about leaders, mm-hmm. 
it is remembering why you got into this in the first place. It is very easy to start looking at boxes and checklists and policy and test numbers. And I know, you know, there's this push in education right now, thankfully, that we're trying to get away from that, trying to get away from that focus. But then the focus on testing and school numbers and matriculation rates and, and all of this sort of stuff. But that is it's important on some level, but it's remembering why we got into this. It's it's if you're not going to focus on that, well, what are you focusing on? And I think it's focusing on how do we make school the best we can for students? And I think that that ultimately forces us to, to look at how are we treating teachers? Are we giving them autonomy? Are we trusting them like they're professionals? Is it and when we do that, I think when we create space where we can say, not only am I giving you autonomy, I'm going to let you fail. And when you fail, like, we'll figure it out and we'll keep going. And that is freedom for teachers that I do not think very many teachers have at the moment. They're, they're terrified to fail. They're terrified to have a bad performance review because there's not going to be any follow up on it. It's just going to be something on a piece of paper that mm -hmm. said you didn't do this, this and this and you did do this, this and this. And that's the end. But mm -hmm. there's no real growth there and yeah. you know and and for folks that are transitioning out i think it becomes you if you're a teacher at heart i think that you can there's something out there that you can do whether you become a tutor whether you start teaching online mm -hmm. whether you you know start something in your community it's about you know if we're thinking about education was always ever to motivate educate and inspire children how else can you do that even if it's not in the classroom how are you still looking for opportunities to do that yeah, I mean, look at your what I would be thinking about. I mean, you were teaching in all the different roles that you had. So you're the perfect example of you don't need to be in a classroom to be a teacher. No, not at all. I mean, look, I, my path seems so untraditional that it's uh, I, I even hasten to tell people about it all the time. But, you know, look, I mean, I started making YouTube videos and that was largely because I have a son who has high functioning autism, he gets super hyper focused on one thing mm -hmm. and he wanted a YouTube channel like most kids, but it was became the thing we talked about all the time. So we made a YouTube channel and then, you know, like a lot of, you know, nine year old kids, he, he got tired of it and wanted to move on to something else. And so I thought, well, I already know how to do all this stuff on YouTube. I might as well just make videos I think might bring value to people. And those videos led, led to, you know, coaching sessions and mentoring sessions and speaking engagements and writing a book. And, you know, so there's so much out there that if you really just think big picture, mm -hmm. I want to help people right. um, in this particular way. I want to serve students and, and, and help teachers. How can I do that? And then you just start thinking, well, where's their attention? It's on social media. Everyone's on social media. When I'm at the food store and I'm waiting three minutes, to, you know, till it's my turn, I turn on Instagram. Yeah. And so what could I create in those spaces to help folks is, what I just started doing. And then, you know, I, I think we all have the opportunity though, because it's, it's free. It's just yeah. sitting there waiting for us to do. I think that's really encouraging. Like you said, there's a lot of fear of failure because you don't know what's going to come next. You don't want things to end because it's safe when you know what to expect, but you're kind of saying, let go of all that and just live in the moment and teach and serve from a genuine, authentic place, and everything's going to come together. So much has happened for you you didn't expect or intend to, all because you showed up as you wanting to help. Yes, 100%. You show up um, ready to go and, and, and with good intentions mm -hmm. and are authentic. And I think those two things, you know, will carry anyone, like, very, very far. Yeah. We are talking a little bit about how to stay current with our students, but what are you doing right now to just 
keep abreast of what's happening in education in terms of trends and best practices. Uh, you mentioned social media. Is that generally where you connect with educators to keep current or are you someone that likes to read magazines and articles? I think it's a little bit of everything. I really like podcasts because mm-hmm. uh, they are something that I can just I can listen to and pause when I want to. I can you know listen to it on a run, and that is some a place where uh, you know as as a parent running is partially because it's the only time of my day that, that I can like not be asked a question. My, <laughs> yes, since quarantine, my kids eat about twenty seven snacks a day. Exactly. So it's uh, it's like that is time for me to to think. I think I also have always learned from people that are doing good work. So I find folks on on Instagram, Twitter, on Facebook, and then I will send messages to them and ask questions. I think that that's a great place to grow because you're actually going to the person. So even if I read someone's book that I particularly like, I'll just reach out and then ask questions. And you know, more often than not, I get to hear back. And I've heard back from like, some of my heroes in education, like Ray Bestwith and Jonathan Kozel have like hit me back on platforms that I'm like, man, I, this is <laughs> amazing to be able to do. But it's it's keeping in mind um, what are your students interested in now that's going to help you when you go back to still be able to teach through that lens and just being mindful of their social emotional state, too. So I'm, mm. I'm really trying to hone in on that stuff as well because I have because I have a lot of students that are dealing with depression right now and and anxiety over you know loss of food and not being in school and being stuck in the house and so how can I educate myself in that way to go back and be able to be of any help that I can to kids hey y'all I just want to take a quick second to let you know support for this episode is brought to you by power school they know teachers go above and beyond for students but teachers need help too especially as they're asked to do more every day And that's why PowerSchool, now with Schoology, combines SIS, LMS, and assessment technology, empowering teachers with more time for what really matters. Visit www.powerschool.com slash time for teachers to find out how teachers are using technology to unlock student success. PowerSchool, time for teachers. Yeah. Would you say you have like an official mentor or are you appointing these people that you look up to, for example, that you've met through podcasts or or books and just, you know, chatting informally through social media? Is are are you saying for an educator to be great, you don't have to have that official mentor in your life. You can create your own mentor huddle. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's both, right? So um I do so I, I have a mentoring service right so like not to plug myself but I have this mentoring service that folks can get involved in and I speak to people at and you know an hour at a time or mm-hmm. whatever like once or twice uh, every month that is something that I've seen people have a ton of benefit from and I've benefited from in the past when I started teaching like I had a coach so there was just another teacher at the school this guy Mr. Zakaria and he was amazing and he just kind of took me under his wing and would sit in on my classes and take notes and tell me what he thought I did well, what I didn't do well, and all of his own volition. This wasn't anything he had to do. But even now, I'm mind- very mindful at school that I only surround myself with people that I want to be want to be like. Jim Rohn said, you are the average of the five, five people, people you spend the most time, yes. time with. Yep. So I'm very cognizant of that. And I do not hang out with – I mean, I can, I can be around everyone, but I, I – 
folks that I spend the most time with are people that are excited about education, that are excited about helping students, that are that will stop at nothing to help, and folks that are community minded, right? No one that's like wants to be the one, because mm-hmm. um, that is a very lonely place, and that doesn't. Then you don't even want to hang out with people if you do that. So <laughs> it's being very mindful of the folks that I'm around all the time because because I think they push you to be better. Because you're if you're only hanging out with great people, you can't be you know, the fifth one and, and you're not very good, it makes you have to be better. And I love that. Yeah. You rise up, you're, you're protecting that circle of influence. I think that's fantastic advice. And the fact that you can create who, who is close to you. It doesn't have to be your best friend since fifth grade, even though you have that relationship, if that person isn't pushing or doesn't really understand where you're going or wh- where your passions lie, then it's okay to sort of remove yourself. You can still be connected, but not have that, that voice in your ear all the time. you got to be where the people are going to push you to be better. So I think that was great. Yeah. Especially as you get older too, right? Like, so when I hit a certain age, um, you know, folks level out, whether they're teachers or whether they're friends. And, you know, I feel like when I hit about 40, uh, a lot of my friends just didn't want to do anything anymore, right? They were, they were, you get into this place where it's like, nope, I have the house and the car and the kids and the dog. And and, and, and I think as educators, that can happen too fairly early where you're just like, nope, I have these lesson plans and I have this way that I do stuff and it's pretty good. I'm going to stick with it. And that has just never been very inspiring to me in my whole life. So it's pivoting. And I think what it comes down to also is relabeling some of those folks that you are connecting with. Mm -hmm. So is the person you call your best friend, your best friend, just because you've been friends since fifth grade, or are they actually still inspiring you still Mm -hmm. there for you? Do you still have that exciting connection? And if not, you can change it. You don't have to tell them, you don't have to send in a letter of resignation that they're not your best friend anymore, (laughs) but it's, it's relabeling some of your friends. And, And when we do that, man, that frees us up for all kinds of great stuff that there's now room for someone new. And you're on the lookout for like, who can I connect with? Who's going to be exciting? Who's going to make me want to show up to school or, you know, or or what have you. And and that is, I think, a really fun experience and an experiment to do. Yeah. And it makes people attracted to you too, because of that vibe you're putting out and, and the fact that you do keep leveling up. So I certainly suggest anyone listening to give this a shot and, and really push yourself out of your comfort zone, especially right now. There's no more perfect time. We are all in this place together where we are literally figuring it out moment by moment. And so there's no reason to feel like you have to have it figured out. Like, let's just start finding people who know a little bit more than you and finding someone else who knows a little bit more than you and slowly build your tribe that way. Yes, absolutely. I think that's great advice. So I want to ask this question it might sound a little silly, but the reason I ask is I think it's important for us to beg, borrow and steal ideas from each other. So if you can think of your best all-star teacher moment, whether it's where you felt you really shined or you had a moment where a student really shined, I want to hear about it so that someone listening can say, I want to give that a shot in my classroom. Uh, so I'll give you, I'll give you three real quick ones. Okay. One, I think that of pizza parties, uh, teachers should have cereal parties because they're way more fun. You have cereal with the least nutritional value and it's a blast <laughs> and kids love it. Um, I think two, remembering that it is your att- attention over your advice that wins with students all the time. And so, oh. you know, so many of us are teaching students that, you know, I didn't grow up in the neighborhood that my, that my students grew up in. I didn't grow up with a lot of the, the difficulties that they're dealing with. And so, so it can be, 
very nerve wracking and, and anxiety ridden to think that you can help a student that's going through a problem that you've never lived through. And what we find is that if you just sit with someone and listen to them mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and sit with them in their darkness, that is so incredibly powerful because then you realize that you don't have to have the answers. Yeah. And so remembering, like I said, that your that your attention is more important than your advice is huge. And then teaching through a lens that your kids care about is is really difficult sometimes because I don't want to watch every Fortnite Live event, <laughs> but I do I every single one. And then I can show up the next day and go, guys, what just happened? <laughs> like, I don't even know what we were watching last night. You're like, you saw it. Did you see this, this and this? And it's like, yep. And, you know, I watch football because my students watch football. I, I am not good at football. There's a reason I grew up playing music. It's because I'm not good at sports, <laughs> but I watch because my students care about it. And any other numbers, TV shows or just things I'm familiar with, again, you know, if I think back to ninth grade me, if my teacher had taught, my ninth grade English teacher had taught the Odyssey through the lens of, you know, uh, Star Wars, it would have been a game changer to me, but they never did. If they had taught me simile and metaphor through the lens of Tribe Called Quest or Boogie Down Productions, it would have changed everything for me. And, you know, I think it's about looking for opportunities to connect with our students on a deeper level every single day. And that's that's three ways that I would do it. I admire you so much because it's not just a catchy phrase or a philosophy you have, but you truly act on it. Like every example you've given me when I'm talking with you is proof of your message that it's all about the kids and show up and be authentic and just give things a try. I just really appreciate that about you. Thanks. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's practice though, right? It's not something that ever comes natural. Uh, and every year I'm like, oh gosh, am I going to do this again? And then it's like, what's the alternative, right? To not do it and to just like mail it in. That doesn't, that sounds even less interesting to me. So it's, um, it's practicing that. And then, you know, if you're weird enough in public, uh, (laughs) over time, people just realize that, you know, that's, oh, he's, he's the crazy, uh, uncle or or cousin, like that's just what they do. And then you just own it. Well, I want to take a second to shout out everything that you've got going on now. Uh, a podcast and the YouTube channel and a book and your mentoring services. What else do you have? Tell us all about you. I want to give everyone a chance to, to pick the avenue in which best fits their needs. Yeah. So I think, uh, YouTube is where I'm most prevalent or, or, or most, you know, available. It's uh, Real Rap with Reynolds, which has nothing to do with rap. And if I had to t- if I had a chance to re- rebrand and go back to the beginning, I probably would have because everyone thinks I'm a rapper now. But it's uh, <laughs> I Real did. Rap. Is- yeah, yeah, it's it's this thing, right? But it's Real Rap is what my students call real truth. And so if they want to have real oh. talk with Reynolds, they'll always say, "I'm ha- yo, can you guys step away? I'm having Real Rap with Reynolds right now. And so- Love it. That was a way for me to sort of honor them. I didn't realize it would get lost in translation because I just, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a business owner uh, when I started all this out. I'm right. a teacher. So I think that there or my new book, Teacher Class Off, The Real Rap Guide to Teaching is, you know, the book that I wish had existed when I started teaching. Um, and that from everything from classroom management, dealing with toxic teachers, being excited about your day, how to get, you know, mindfulness exercises to get you ready for the day. And then I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere else that everyone is, um, you know. So, yeah, it's a lot, but it's it's really, really fun. Yeah, this is amazing. And in terms of the transition from classroom teacher to all these other things, 
what started it? Was it just someone prompted you to, hey, you should put that on YouTube or, hey, you should maybe write that down in a book or, hey, maybe you should start a podcast. What really inspired all this change? Yeah. So I, I love this question because I think it's something everyone has the ability to do. And when you realize, so I, I started, I, I would just see like through watching YouTube or Vine back in the day or whatever yeah, yeah. that my, my students, were watching, I would think, gosh, I could, I could do this. Like, this isn't that hard. Some of the things that people are doing. And so I started thinking, well, what do I do? That's just kind of silly uh, that I could share with folks. So for instance, I have this hand that is about the size of like LeBron James, his hand, and it's mm -hmm. on the end of a three foot stick. And as a joke in class, I use this to collect papers. So then you don't have to walk up and down the aisles. And yeah. it's really fun. He's like <laughs> in, in the hallway, I do high fives with it. I pat kids on the back with it. It's just, and then since social distancing started, it's taken on this, this kind of even more ridiculous role of right. like, yeah, I'm not, I can't, I can't like, you know, give you a high five anymore, but I could use this. So <laughs> that putting things like that on the internet and then saying, well, what else do I do? What do I do in my lessons? What's, What's something I do that's fun and just what I call sprinkles magic on your lesson. It doesn't mm -hmm. change the whole lesson, but things like um, when we read in class and it's a really climactic moment, I play music underneath of it and it makes the kids read like in a more excited way. Mm -hmm. Or if I can take of mice and men and read it as a play instead of just the book, when we're together in class, it just makes it more exciting for everyone. So what I realized was that your ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary, right? right? Which sounds like a bumper sticker, but <laughs> all teams have something that they're doing that no one else does. And why keep it to yourself? Because if I can use it here, what's to say that someone in Nebraska or South Korea or in Germany couldn't do the same thing? And, you know, back to that, my silly serial uh, party thing. I've had teachers from literally all over the world send me pictures of them having cereal parties in their class. And they oh, say it was the cool. thing, the unity that the kids loved. It was just left of center enough to get everyone's <laughs> attention. And now they love coming to class. And, and they sat there and talked for the day and got to know one another and how that has helped classroom management. But it's remembering that, that your ordinary is someone else's extraordinary, that you don't have to look a certain way, be from a certain place, have a certain quality of equipment. It's just taking what you know, putting it on the internet and knowing someone's going to see themselves in you you and then feel like i could do that this person looks just like me they come from the same story as me and that is really empowering i think to people i agree i think that's just fascinating and the fact that you're willing to take a risk and pave a path that you don't know where it's going to lead is it going to fail is it going to work is it going to stick is it going to help and you're like i'm just going to give it a whirl we'll see what happens yeah yeah it's exciting that's what life is all about right it's, that's what just makes it exciting you you don't you know, John Maxwell talks about you can't see the straight line all the time of between here and where you want to go, but you mm -hmm. can only see at night when you're driving your car how far the headlights shine on. Right. But that doesn't make us not drive at night. It, it makes you just you go to the end of that light and then you just keep going and going yeah. and going. You don't know what you're going to find. Good analogy. Well, I do want to be respectful of your time, and I want to ask this question because I know especially folks right now are feeling this way. I'm sure you felt this at some point in your career, but how do you reignite your passion and your potential as an educator? For me, it's always self-care. I think that if I'm at my best place that I can be in, doesn't mean I'm on 11 every day, but like if I can you know, work to be on an eight instead of a six, it helps me. So that 
for me looks like I wake up early every morning. I have uh, like a prayer mindfulness practice that I do every day. I make sure that I exercise. Um, and then even b basic things like on my way to school, I, I don't listen to, I can't listen to anything that's sad. There are, there are no, there's no music or, or podcast I'm listening to that's going to be like, you know, bring me down. I have to listen to something that's going to elevate me and get me stirred up in a good way so that when I walk into the school building, I am on the highest, you know, sort of vibration that I can be on so that because school starts for me as soon as I walk, walk in the building, there's 10 kids sitting outside of my room that want to eat breakfast in there every single day. So it's like, I can't be, you know, walking in sleepy or tired. And so I can only do that if I really take care of myself. And that can look like a lot of things. For me, it's making sure that I hang out with friends every once in a while. It's making sure that I have music on all the time. It's making sure that I'm exercising or, you know, gardening is something that I like to do. And those things fill me up. Uh, my friend Elise always says, if the car doesn't have gas, nobody's going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I just think that is making sure that you're filling your car up so that you can get some somewhere with your students. Yeah, self-care for sure. And, and knowing what it takes for you to get filled up is, you know, the first part of that. So I think that was a great analogy of, of the gas tank. I like that. Well, on behalf of elite educators everywhere, thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I know you mentioned a few places to connect. What's your preferred method? Does someone just go to your website or email you directly? What do you like? Yeah, you can go right to realwrapwithreynolds.com or email me at realwrapwithreynolds at gmail.com and hit me up there and I'd be happy to talk to anyone about anything. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, CJ. Gretchen, I appreciate what you're doing. This is really important work you're doing, and thank you so much for doing it. Y'all, I know that conversation did not disappoint. CJ's the man. I mean, he really is pretty amazing when you think about how his path unfolded and all the different jobs he took on, and still it just wasn't the right fit. Something was missing, but they still had this commonality, this common thread of teaching. And when he finally was able to become a teacher, look at what he's done because of that. And so I just encourage you to try new things and whatever opportunities come, give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, you know, pivot and try something else. But you are here for a reason. You have a gift, you have a talent, and it's on you to figure out what that is and be true to that and not try and fit into what's current. And, and none of this would have happened had he not listen to what the kids needed and help develop his develop the course that he has to help students better understand the written word through rap. Um, it's just really inspiring. And like I told him through our conversation, he truly manifests the idea of it's all about the kids because everything he does, not just what he says and what he thinks and feels, but his actions show that the way he reaches people is by listening and watching and being willing to understand what they're experiencing and, and putting himself in their shoes and, and doing the real work of bridging the gap between formal education and just what kids are facing. Um, wonderful, wonderful educator who is just it's an honor to have had this conversation. So CJ, if you're listening, thank you so much for being a guest. I'm so thankful for what you're doing for education. I'm even more thankful to now call you a friend and appreciate all that you're doing and really look forward to what's to come for Real Rap with Reynolds. All right, Elite Educators, that's a wrap for this week's special edition interview podcast with CJ Reynolds. Now go ahead and be great because you've just been empowered.